Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Making Healthcare Better podcast. My name is Rakia Campbell, and I'm your host today. Now, as the number of older adults with chronic medical illnesses and substance use disorders, such as opioid use, increase, so does the need for post-acute care services in skilled nursing facilities. In our last Making Healthcare Better podcast episode, we chatted with Dr. Swati Gar. Dr. Gar is a Lion Health Solutions Medical Director, and she's also a practicing physician who specializes in geriatric medicine. She is back today with us, along with Wilbert Martin, the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health and Nursing Facilities Recovery Specialist. Together, they're going to share insight about what nursing facility staff can do now to help provide better care for residents with substance use disorders. So the last time we chatted, Dr. Gar enlightened us on some of the challenges nursing homes currently face in providing care for residents with substance use disorders. So Dr. Gar, can you provide a brief recap about what staff are experiencing that may be barriers to providing ultimate care? Sure. Um, so, you know, when we talk about staff uh, preparedness, you know, that is uh, the number one thing that we talk about when um we um, see uh, these barriers. The other one is, of course, staff perceptions of addiction. And the third one is overall lack of resources that could definitely present as barriers to um, providing um, the right care to um, our residents who may be suffering from substance use disorders or serious mental illnesses for that matter. So when we talk about staff preparedness, you know, we are talking about in nursing homes, traditionally, we have had a very, you know, reactive environment. When I say that, what I mean is we can certainly treat a urinary tract infection, we can certainly treat a pneumonia, but, you know, it's it's making sure that we are kind of... Um, taking good care of chronic, even chronic medical illnesses, something like, um, you know, hypertension, diabetes, and having good systems that um, ensure good control and optimal treatment of these. Similarly, substance use disorder is also a chronic medical illness. And so, you know, in this reactive environment, it becomes that much harder for staff, you know, who really kind of do not perceive that um, the um, substance use disorder is actually a chronic medical illness is so much harder for us to be able to optimally treat that. The other issue that we are seeing also that um, we see with other chronic medical illnesses as well is the fact that we have such siloed environment, right? You know, um, a lot of times the treatment for substance use disorder may be happening outside of the nursing home setting, you know, in pain clinics or other um, opioid clinics, you know, that treatment just doesn't patch up very well or kind of flow nicely into the treatment plan within the nursing home as well. And lastly, but very, very important is, you know, with the lack of awareness, there's a general lack of training. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just knowing what, um, what this is about, and, um, and really being comfortable that we have the knowledge base to manage these illnesses within nursing um, home care. Very good. Great information. Now, Bert, 
You being a recovery specialist with the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health and Nursing Facilities, you work really closely with these facilities on providing those trainings that Dr. Gar mentioned. What are some of the things that you're seeing um, regarding substance use disorders in nursing facilities? Well, Dr. Gar, um, she referenced uh, preparedness of staff, and it really took me back to my early work in uh, behavioral health. Uh, as a direct care staff, I was often transferred to a unit that treated substance use disorders, and I was not a big fan of that transfer. I was not a big fan of working on that unit. And um, I think my feelings came from uh, just preconceived notions that I had, um, just a lack of understanding about chronic illnesses, about substance use disorders. Uh, so this conversation is just like really taking me back. Mm -hmm. So if we fast forward to today, mm -hmm. um, I'm getting a lot of those same feelings from the direct care staff, from the staff that actually work uh, with residents, it, you know, directly hands on. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, I get a lot of uh, requests for training, for more information, for resources related to substance use uh, and substance use disorders. Interesting. Interesting. Thanks for providing that insight. Um, now, Dr. Gar, I know, um, you know, as, as Bert just mentioned about training and preconceived notions, um, is there something in particular that you've seen um, in this area as well that, um, that has really is helping provide a shift in people's perceptions? Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate, um, Bert, you sharing your story, because, you know, all of our stories are similar, right? You know, this there has been a sea change in the way that we um, see these illnesses. We have come to this understanding of the fact that, you know, it's really a chronic medical illness. Uh, and I remember during my residency time, which, you know, now it's going to date me, but... <laughs> but um, I do remember that we used to call it, um, you know, substance abuse, you know, um, yes. uh, when when we uh, when we were treating patients uh, during my residency days. And in fact, you might hear off and on, you know, some of the older consultants or um, people who have practiced medicine during that era, you know, that slips out substance mm -hmm. abuse, but it is really called substance use disorder because you know people are understanding that it is really a chronic medical disorder that needs management it is so so i think you know we need to continue to by doing um even changing the terminology mm -hmm. that goes a long way in kind of taking the onus and you know away from problematic patient or it is the person's fault you know who is suffering actually suffering from this disorder and provides with that empathy that is so required to be able to treat uh you know or manage this chronic medical problem uh with uh you know appropriately so mm -hmm. i think you know as we keep getting trained and we keep understanding the um, really the pathophysiology of the illness and um, different aspects of the illness, 
I think we start to peel the stigma off by the change in terminology goes mm -hmm. such a long way that we need to be able to kind of get to a point where we stop blaming the person who is suffering mm -hmm. and instead um, creating a care team that is really able to support, mm -hmm. you know, management of the disease that they are suffering from. Absolutely. So in addition to terminology, what are some other perceptions that you're seeing in the industry that's hindering um, really providing optimal care? Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the perceptions that we just talked about, right, blaming the person, oh, it is, you know, um, they decided to take the medication or etc. Right. And and the other perception that we see, and Bert, you can chime in, but, you know, we are seeing, you know, this perception of, oh, this person is going to be admitted to our facility, and they are definitely going to manipulate that. They are opioid-seeking, they are medication-seeking, um, and that can really come into play when we see, especially, um, you know, medications that uh, people, when they are coming in, um, after like acute injuries, for example, right? You know, you may have a substance patient with substance use disorder who may come in. Now they have broken a hip and they do need those higher doses or a differently timed doses of those, you know, opioid medications because, you know, they were needing this much for treatment of their substance use disorder. They have just had, you know, this, the acute pain and they are going to need a different regime or a higher regime. And that's not drug seeking. That is not medication seeking. That is a true need that the patient has acutely. And how do we manage that, right? So those kind of perceptions, I mean, bad behavior, um, you know, that whole moral stigma mm -hmm. used to be an issue. Um, it prevents us from being able to step out from behind these perceptions and be able to provide the empathy and, and, and also the knowledge and mm -hmm. management of these, you know, these illnesses and helping the patients. So what are some possible solutions that nursing homes can actually implement right now? The number one thing is staff training. The more I know, the better I do, right? You know, and I think that is the number one thing. I, I think, you know, we have this fear or phobia of being um, that comes as a barrier in treatment of some of these illnesses. And I think it is because we don't know how to do it, right? You know, <clears throat> I know that a lot of physicians and um and NPs and other clinicians, the uh, PAs, they are going to take, um, uh, or they might already be taking those eight-hour courses, you know, for, you know, how to treat substance use disorder, you know, that are now required for a DEA licensure. Mm -hmm. I think if you start, you know, when I was doing that, even as I was doing that, you know, I could understand so much more. I could brush up on so much that, you know, allows me to be just a so much better of a physician. Similarly, staff, you know, in the nursing home, the more exposure we have to training, the less 
hard it becomes for us to uh, manage some of these conditions. So that is definitely number one. Number two, as we see in other illnesses, right? Creating interdisciplinary teams, having standard protocols, and creating a priority, you know, in the nursing home that we are going to be as a priority being, um, you know, this nursing home um, staff or environment, creating this environment who will be able to provide care for these residents, right, with mm -hmm. um, substance use disorders. And how that happens is really at the leadership level, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anytime we want to do anything, anytime we want to affect anything, you know, leadership involvement and mm -hmm. um, their um, investment of their, you know, um, social capital, their their leadership, um, mm -hmm. exercising their leadership matters a lot, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that goes with whether you want to have um, have your residents be protected against respiratory illnesses by having um, high rates of immunization, whether you want your staff to be healthier with, you know, giving, you know, um, asking them to get, you know, immunized um, against flu and other respiratory illnesses, whether you want great antimicrobial stewardship to keep your patients safe. Similarly, you know, creating that leadership investment into and messaging into this is a priority for our building or it's a priority for our organization is important. And then the other is also a lot of facilities have created these behavioral health teams, you know, where everything kind of funnels through these behavioral health teams because then you kind of start creating these specialized um, staff um, teams, which could actually um, not only um, increase the level of expertise and knowledge base, but also could be a great uh, conduit to the outside facility um, and outside providers uh, who may be participating in the care or, uh, you know, when it comes to behavioral health. Um, the other is PAR teams, you know, patient at risk uh, meetings that a lot of nursing homes have. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, clearly when we have an area of priority that we want to really be able to monitor if we're doing a good job, mm -hmm. then that is where we will take our, um, you know, discussion and, you know, because we are meeting on weekly basis mm -hmm. and talking about, are we providing the care that this uh, particular patient deserves, you know, mm -hmm. maybe having opioid use disorder. So those are some of the ways that we can actually really start to focus mm -hmm. on, um, you know, creating teams who um, effectively care for patients with opioid use disorders. Great, great tips. Now, Bert, um, one of the things that Dr. Gar mentioned um, is, as far as something that's really important to provide is training. You do a lot of that in your role um, that you have currently with the Center of Excellence. Um, so 
Bert, and, and thank you earlier for sharing your personal story about your own perceptions and how you were able to um, grow through that and, and learn um, different ways to kind of fight that stigma that even you had about some, some folks as well um, that are dealing with substance use disorder. Um, so Bert, from your perspective, specifically as a trainer, um, what are some of the perceptions that you're currently seeing um, you know, if it's something that actually you used to see yourself or you used to face yourself, um, what are some of the perceptions you're currently seeing and what are some very specific tips, especially because you provide training in this area, um, that you could provide to facilities on how to grow through that and get past that? Um, when, you, when you talk about uh, substance use, there is just this um, overhanging cloud. It's stigma. Uh, it's an attitude of judgment. It's an attitude of, um, you know, just really that, casting judgment, characterizing a person by their illness. Uh, so um, what the way that impacts the care setting is, uh, if you don't have a supportive care setting, if you feel judged, if you, uh, it affects your self-identity, it affects your self-image. Uh, so when you're considering um, stigma, uh, one thing, one approach that you can take is using person-centered language. Uh, person-centered language is a, about respecting a person's dignity, uh, their unique qualities, their strengths, their individualism. Um, so to erase stigma and to um, take on person-centered language, I can give some examples. Um, so when you when you're talking substance use, when you're talking um, drug screens, when you're talking groups, you hear words like addict or user or junkie. But when you're using person-centered language, uh, you can reset the setting. Mm -hmm. So instead of using addict, you could use a person with a substance use disorder. Um, coming into the care setting, we had people that came to units for uh, substance use care like a number of times. Sometimes in that care setting, it's supposed to be a care setting, but you would hear things like, oh, here comes a frequent flyer, meaning a person that came for care over and over and over again. So instead of using frequent flyer, uh, you could say that this person is still actively seeking substances. You know, when you talk about older adults, you know, just to make it, you know, to drive the point home, um, you know, you have older adults that are, they utilize wheelchairs. So instead of saying a person is wheelchair bound or they're crippled, you can say he or she uses a wheelchair. Uh, so, you know, just to, to recap, I, I really think um, what you put out there, the type of support you provide, really affect um, the results that you get. And that begins with the staff. It begins with the infrastructure of the nursing facility. Um, how much emphasis do you put on training? How much emphasis do you put on when you recognize that you're doing something not so well? How do you address it? How do you change the behaviors and the attitudes of your staff? 
That's so important. So definitely recognizing that there's a problem, recognizing there's a challenge there, and then wanting to make a difference and, and to change and being open to changing that, that, that terminology that's being used, changing that dialogue that's being used is really important. Because if you change your mindset, then you ultimately are changing your actions behind that as well. So that's awesome. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed um, this episode of Making Healthcare Better podcast. Um, I'd like to thank Dr. Gar and thank Bert for joining me today and providing that insight. And just remember that you can always go to the Center of Excellence website at nursinghomebehavioralhealth.org um, to find information about trainings, um, some that Wilbur actually hosts, um, uh, to be able to get some insight on things that you can do to help make your facility better as well. So we thank you for joining us and have a great day. Thank you.